Hey guys, if you know us, you know we are big fans of Karayuma. They make cool, eco-friendly shoes that we wear basically 24-7. We're excited to be releasing our second collaboration with them, Karayuma and Love It or Leave It. There's just something about fall that makes you want to get new shoes. So why not get ones that are made of organic cotton canvas, natural rubber, cork, and recycled plastics? I mean, it doesn't hurt that they also have tiny surfing dogs on them. They come in pink and black and feature a whimsical scene that will absolutely put some pep in your step. Plus, Karayuma plants two trees in the Brazilian rainforest for each pair purchased. So run, don't walk, but not until you get a pair of shoes at crooked.com slash store. If scary movies give you dread, Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for all you guys. Hallie, how you doing? I'm okay. Um... Uh, if you're a new listener, I write for also another crooked podcast, Love It or Leave It, and we are deep into tour season. Ooh. So that's, uh, you know, I don't know how the Rolling Stones did it. I guess this is just a podcast that has taken out of me. I don't know how those old bastards get up and do it every time. But that's it why they, that's why they're awful. the Rolling Stones and why we have a podcast where I get to sit yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, they were younger than us when they started, so. But they're still going. Well, not current. I mean, like, not today, but, like. But now they're so rich that it's a different experience. Yeah, but it's not like they get, you could buy a new exoskeleton or something. Like, I just would, I would need, like, a mech suit. True. Though I would love that. Yeah, well, one day, that's how rich we're going to be. And our exoskeleton will, of course, melt into the marsh that is the entire coastline of America. Yes. So it's not, it's not going to be very practical. No, 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 no. But it will be briefly fun, I think. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Briefly fun. That's what life's all about. Briefly fun. Here for a Um, good time. Probably not a long time. No. Earth colon briefly fun. (laughs) Earth colon briefly. That's great. (laughs) Um, Allison, how you doing? I'm good. I I have nothing. Can you talk for a little while? Because I'm going to take a bite of sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could talk. Um, I ran to Starbucks. Sorry. What? (laughs) What did you get at Starbucks? A sandwich? I got an Impossible Sandwich. Oh, and sure. I normally just get a cold beer with oat milk because um, I'm trying not to eat as much sugar. But I do have a iced um, brown sugar shake and espresso that at all. That is my treat. I just feel everyone's like I am such a I drink black coffee when it's iced. I do a splash of dairy milk in hot coffee and that's kind of it for me. But then like. I'd say every three months, it's time for some kind of, like, indulgent, like, either an after-dinner cappuccino at a fancy restaurant mm. or, like, getting, you know, I, I when we were on the road, I treated myself to a chai oh, yeah. latte, you know, just a stupid Starbucks. Like, they're like, yeah, you know, chai. And it's like, well, probably not. But, um, and I'm sure in the winter I will get one, like, fancy, like, peppermint latte nonsense because it's like a hot milkshake. Yeah, it, we, I, I think all of us, or by all I mean me, so I assume everyone's the same way, mm, yes. that sort of operate via a treat economy where if I'm doing a lot of work, I was like, well, I, I've earned a little treat. Yeah. And that little treat keeps me going all day. Well, And it's not a great way to eat or live, no. but it does help. It takes the edge off to have a little treat. So I'm having a little treat. Especially when, like, it just feels like we're going to work till we die. That, like, you may as well. I buy myself a little treat or a present after I, like, finish a thing. That's my, like, I have, like, the short-term ones of, like, oh, I'm going to go out and get a candy or a wine or whatever as, like, Mm -hmm. I wrote something today. Um, But big stuff, like completing um, a stand-up tour or, like, finishing a new pilot sample or something, or getting a really big job, I always buy myself, like, a fancy present. And I have to say that that's also a really lovely way to spend all of your money. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I recently got myself a present, and I got myself perfume. Oh, what perfume? Well, so I got Dies Durga Pistachio. Oh, yes. Here's mm. my concern about, I like I like the scents, I like the stuff. It does not last. Oh. And I it makes me insane if you buy a perfume and 20 minutes later you can't smell it, then what have I done? I throw my money away, Allison. Yeah. So that is my only concern. I'm like, God damn it, they got me and again. And that's not something you can know at purchase. Like, you could be like, I like how this smells. I like how this feels on my skin. I like yeah. how the bottle looks. But, like, you can't know unless you put it on and then spend the day and then go back and buy it. Yeah, but that's so much work. And I will say the other my other treat is reading about um the how the Republicans in Congress completely falling oh, yes. apart in the House. Yes, that Ooh. is fun. Oh, that takes the edge off. 
scramble around. Your ants in the afterbirth now, gentlemen. I just love every all the wacky <laughs> shit. Like the guy, the new guy pounding the gavel like a maniac. Oh. Like. Fuck you. So that's been kind of fun just to see them tear each other apart. Um, that's it that's nice. nice. I think that's been uh, not great. Again, not great for the, for uh, society. No, but um, better them than us, I suppose. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it gives you like a little hope that like the right could fall apart and and show people how dysfunctional they are. Like it's like yes. to see this is like well. Even if you agree with them, surely you see this as not a functional party. This is chaos. This is just mayhem using transphobia and racism to trick you. Yes. Um, I, 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 you know, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, Allison, and um, yeah, I, I'm yeah, optimistic somehow, even even in these moments. <laughs> oh, oh, hey guys, it's us. Uh, it's Hallie. And Allison. And we're here to invite you to, you better believe it, you know what's coming, another Ruined Live show, which is going to be Sunday, October 29th at our usual time, time 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Yes. And we are going to be doing um, VHS. 85, baby. 85, baby. Brand new VHS. You know them, you love them, and we're excited to see the new one. And if you want to watch it before, I believe it is available um, online streaming. So if you would like to watch it beforehand, if you're... Of that kind of listener, now get sold out. If not, you can go ahead and get your tickets at moment.co slash ruined. That's moment.co slash ruined. They're 10 bucks and you'll have 72 hours to watch it. So if you can't watch it right at 4 p.m., 7 p.m., or whatever p.m. you're in, um, then you can watch it for the next 72 hours the next day, the day after that. Totally fine. Uh, we'll have merch, as we always do. We'll also have the fun chat, which we just like love to see light up with all of you. So please get your tickets for Sunday, October 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at moment.co slash ruined. See you there. So let us begin uh, ruining our movie. Yes. This is a movie I had not seen, but of course I've heard about a million times. We're doing uh, this month's theme, which is Let's Scare Allison to Death. We haven't accomplished it, but boy, we're doing a good job. And what is your life if not a, a waking death, Allison? Yes. And I've always said that, you know. Um, so we, I've been trying to pick some of the scarier movies that we haven't done. Um, I I think I may have failed this one. I really like this one, but it is, uh, more of a, more of a a drama or dramatic versus say, I think when I think about what terrifies you, I do think of like the terrifier. Yes. Well, it'd be hard for any movie to top those. I mean, what when I say this, like, what the scariest movie we've done, and it's hard because you don't remember any of them. Well, yeah. And isn't that the scariest thing? They all live on in kind of like a muddled soup in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good. It's like how butterflies, like, when they, or when the um, caterpillars go into a cocoon, they become a liquid, and then when they yes. come out, they're a butterfly, but they still retain their memories. Yeah. That's what you have in your brain, is the caterpillar mm. liquid. Yes, just liquid. And from out of your mouth come the butterflies of comedy, and mm. that is your art, and mm. so it works for you. But I, in my mind, the things that scare you are the terrifiers, where I'm telling you something, and you're going, no, please don't tell no, me the thing stop. that you're saying to me. <laughs> yes. So, But I will say the ones that, like, also stick with me are, like, always the grounded, like— Well, this one's grounded, baby. This, this is happen. realistic. Yeah, this one yeah. is— And I was having heard of people talk about this, like, it was so shocking. And I think at the time it was kind of, like, hyped in that way. Like, yeah. the idea that this movie was, like, oh, one of the scariest. So that I saw it, I, I think it's a really well-done film. And the film, of course, is 1986, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, directed and co-written by John McNaughton. And it is based on uh, the actual serial killers, Otis Toole, and um, Henry Lee Lucas. Mm. And I'm not going to really get into... I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the end, like a little similarities with their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based on, not versus like this is the story, but this does yeah, seem like of. Yeah. we're kind of getting it maybe what their dynamic is. Yeah. I always remember hearing about Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole from uh, last podcast of The Left. had oh, like Because yes. they were doing like heavy hitters, you know? And I watching this, I was like, this is why I don't, this is why I feel like I've really moved away from listening to, to true crime. Yeah. Because um, I just don't feel like there's any, the entertainment value is there um, for me anymore. And I do feel like there is a lot of good true crime, but it's more like exploring the justice system and like how, yes. what is justice? Like, uh, it, I think we talked about this, but like I was listening to this podcast, Retrievals, where it's about these women who oh, had yes, to get their yes, eggs yes. retrieved 
because one of the nurses was addicted to opiates and was basically switching out the painkillers for saline. Yeah. And it's like about the trial and about these women. They interview the women. And it's like, that's that's the kind of true crime I want to read. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. it's like, this is an incredibly complicated, fucked up situation. But we're treating, we, we have to talk about like, what does justice look like in this situation? Like, how would these women feel that justice has been served? Versus, we're just going to tell you about these serial killers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my friend Divya and I talk about this a lot when we talk about not podcasts, but like docu-series. And we talk about like, yes. true, and we're both like, I don't like true crime. Like, I don't like a show that's just like, you know, we're trying to figure Ooh. out who murdered this one woman, Ooh. you know? Yeah, like who it's did just like, it? It's like, not that there aren't ones that are well done that I've absolutely watched and like been pretty gripped by, but like in general, that doesn't like really pique my interest. But what does is like, we call it big crime, um, yeah. but systemic crime, huge yes. financial crimes. Uh, fraud, cults, the grift, yeah. Fraud, um, mm-hmm. like massive, you know, usually like capitalism driven, like, you know, I think we both watched the movie about Boeing. That was so fucking scary. Oh, yeah, it, a perfect example. Yeah, downfall. the case against Boeing, yeah. uh, downfall, the case against Boeing. Please watch that on Netflix. Go watch or that, wherever it's but available. not before you have to travel. Um, just, che- just check what, just check what airplane you're getting on. Um, but, uh, so, like, I tend to find, like, yeah, like, I, I would rather hear about the justice system, the aftermath, the kind of cultural and societal changes that come from, you know, what happens in a smaller, you know, still horrific murder or something like that. But, yeah, true crime as a genre that pertains to just, like, serial killers and missing people is not quite for me. Um, yeah, and and I feel like uh, in sort of this movie and, like, coverage about these two guys who were basically friends who were serial killers together. And they, um, it's sort of like the value of covering this is like when you find out about these, these men's upbringing, it's like, well, people are made into monsters by horrific abuse, years of horrific abuse. And we had this idea of like, oh, we, wow, he was so normal, like whatever. And it's like, even Dahmer, like, it's like, wow, he's the guy next door. And it's like, well, his mother was institutionalized. He was extremely mentally ill. There was abuse in the home. Yeah. And like his parents probably thought that was normal because they were raised in those households. So it's like the idea of like analyzing what gets passed down. Exactly. That's helpful rather than like. Oh, can you believe how crazy this is? Yes, we can all believe it because we all know about it by now. This is not right. shocking or like incendiary. It's just sad. So it's like, how do yeah. we figure out how to not ha- have serial killers anymore? I don't know how to do it. But regardless, um, the film was actually rated X when it came out in 1986 Whoa. initially. Is so, there still an X rating? You know, that's a great question. I think there is, but like, I, I just feel like nobody's making those movies because you can't get releases. Right. Um, I guess, no. I guess you'd be uh, NC-17 now, Yeah. Right? Did that replace it, or was NC-17 a step before X, and then they just were like, we're never going to release anything that's X? Yeah, that's a great question. Was it ever really a rating, or was it just to, like— Just to be like, this movie. You won't believe it. Um, Yeah, okay, so here we go. The answer from Wikipedia. X is a rating that was formerly used in the United States by the MPAA to signify adult material. It was replaced by the NC-17 rating in 1990. Okay. So it, it it was real and it has been replaced, and I, I it is X is too sexy. I think that's the problem. Is like if you see yeah. something rated X, you're like, well, I'm going to see that yeah, fucking movie. I need to know what's happening in the movie I that's rated X. The sexiest letter we have. Um, so yes, this was rated X when it came out. Um, and again, uh, understandable. This is full of rape, murder, mm-hmm. uh, mayhem, mm-hmm. and um, what is so horrible about it, as far as I'm concerned, is that it's all very grounded. So we always yeah. like to have Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what do you think of the trailer for Henry Colon Portrait of a Serial Killer? Well, the trailer is definitely terrifying. I can mm-hmm. see if it's spread out over the movie that it, it it takes on the kind of vibe of a drama, but. Boy, I didn't like the trailer at all. I thought it was very scary. <laughs> was there any particular images or moments from the trailer that really stuck out to you as terrifying? I think it was kind of the vibe between the two men mm-hmm. and the, like, kind of coaching yes. um, element of it where it's just like, yeah, that feels very real and also, like, kind of feeds into my, like, sometimes, I don't know, like, cons- sometimes when, like, men are together, it feels a little conspiratorial um, and that's, yeah, it's it's interesting. And obviously not that women can't do those types of things, but like no, I, I totally. always think of like the Columbine shooters and it's like yeah. these kind of like the the duos who commit these crimes yeah. it is terrifying because 
And this movie is also does depict that the idea that like Henry Lee Lucas was kind of the I don't know braids was the word, but like the motivating, the activating yeah. force. And uh, Otis was like a guy who was open to the idea of murder yeah. and had murdered like out of necessity. And then like Henry's like, well, if, you, if you've already murdered, I don't think it's that big a deal. And was, you know what I mean? And not that he's like a victim in this in anyways, but like, you know what I mean? It, it's, you know, yeah. as, as a woman for that to happen, I just don't know what that would look like. Not that it, it, it couldn't happen, but yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a, a foreign concept. Um, yeah. And also it yeah. kind of shows a little bit of like, you know, you just need one person egging on your intrusive thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Like one, you know, once you have like out, like exterior corroboration of something horrific that you're thinking, like, yeah, it does feel like it justifies it enough for you to do it. Yeah, and I just want to say, and I'm not, like, defending these guys in any ways, obviously, but, like, both of them were raised in, like, horrifically abusive households. Right. Um, Otis Toole, like, uh, there was incest on both sides. Like, Otis Toole's, like, uh, mother would dress him in a girl's clothing, call him Susan. Like, there was yeah. just so much going on in both their households that mm-hmm. it's like, well, I think we were like, are people born evil? It's like, well— even if they somehow were, I think we could give them a fighting chance by not having them be the victim of incest, like yes. or yes. our physical and mental abuse for years. Like uh, maybe we could start there because, like, the idea of like someone genetically being bad. It's like I think we know yeah. that it's a lot more complicated. Yeah, okay, like right. it's like wow. Oh, can you believe it? Yeah, the world is full of horrible shit. Like I'm sorry. Um, and we also take a baseline scary. And so, Allison, how scary do you find the concept of? Well, we kind of talked about it, but how scared do you find the concept of two serial killers finding each other and working together? Again, very bad because it's kind yeah. of like, I mean, I see it in like any context when you're like, when you're with one other person and you're both kind of on the same page. Like it's kind of like an, you're just keep ping ponging off each other, amping each other up for the thing, which like, you know, usually on like, you know, on a night out, it's like, let's go to the next bar. Let's do this. Like, yes, let's have another drink. But like if for serial killers, it's let's uh, kill these people. Exactly. It's like, well, we're already out. We're already, we might as well be drinking and right, killing exactly. people, you know. And, um, yeah, which is a very interesting, I always remember reading something that, but, about Dahmer, and he said that he, like, he knew killing was wrong, and so he would drink to the point that he could do it. Oy. And it's almost like how people use it to, like, oh, they're nervous to talk to, like, you know, to have sex or, like, right. to talk to people or, you know, just, like, let loose. And it's like he wanted to let loose, so he was going to drink to that point, sure. which is insane. Um, And then finally, would you like to guess the twist in the movie, Henry, colon, Portrait of a Serial Killer? Guess the twist. Yeah, I don't know quite the names of the two people yet, but I'm going to guess the one who's the brains ends up in the end getting murdered by the other guy that he was kind of like egging on to murder. Right, because that's the thing is it's not a one-to-one of real life. So I'm glad that you chose that as a definitive ending, sort of. Yes. Um, and then also another thing to note is that Henry, both Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole, I think his name is Otis, but in the movie it's Otis. So I'm just going to say Otis for the movie. They, they they were convicted on multiple counts of murder. Henry, Henry Lee Lucas, I believe, was convicted, yeah, convicted of murdering 11 people. But they also both confessed to hundreds of other murders. And it's one of those things where I think looking back now, they are sort mm-hmm. of understanding like, yeah, if you give a serial killer who knows he's in prison forever attention and details yeah. about a killing, he what what why wouldn't he confess to it? He's already there and he already like fancies himself a serial killer. Like yeah. and again, I think there's just so many parts of policing, which I do think is like something that true crime has given us. It's like a conversation of like yeah, yeah fake fake confession, false confessions have all the time because please give them give people information and then intimidate them into confessing. So yeah. Um, just like to think about as we get into the film, let us begin ruining Henry colon portrait of a serial killer. We open on, you guessed it, a woman's corpse, totally oh nude, eyes open, lying dead in the grass in the woods, covered in blood. Great. We cut to Henry, our serial killer. He's paying his bill at a diner. And in addition to being a serial killer, he's not much of a tipper. He's not a serial tipper. Okay. Mm. And he asked the counter lady for a pack of cools. You can buy cigarettes in, like, the hospital, basically. Yeah. Like, and people are just buying cigarettes, like, on the bus. Constantly, everywhere. It's wild. No matter what. Kmart. And the woman hands him a pack, and he goes, you know, you got a real nice smile. 
And she just she smiles back because he's handsome. It's played by Michael Rooker. So I think, unfortunately, much like a Ted Bundy, at least there's some level of like, well, this guy can't be a serial killer. I think he's hot. Kind of handsome. Right. Uh, Otis doesn't have that problem, but yeah. Um, yeah. So he hoofs it out of there, and we unfortunately then see sort of like various scenes of murder that he has committed traveling across America. Um, we see a liquor store employee sprawled over the counter of a liquor store and a dead coworker on the ground. And whenever we see bodies, we hear sort of an echoing voiceover, the sound of the crime. In a, ho- in a hotel room, or rather a motel room, we see a murdered sex worker on the toilet. Uh, she has been killed and an empty Coke bottle jammed down her throat. I mean... Her breasts out. I know. Why? And of course, then over this scene, we hear the sort of the echoing memory of Henry screaming at her, calling her a bitch, assaulting her. Yeah. In a, in a river somewhere, we see a woman's corpse floating face down in her slip. Again, sounds of her assault and the tearing of her clothes while she screams, echoing over these scenes. And in between these vignettes, we just see Henry driving across America, road trip. You know, he's on a murder spree. <laughs> and it was at a time where, like, it, it, it was simply, maybe it would have taken you a little longer. Obviously, they caught him eventually. Yeah. But, um... He, you know, you could start, there was a DNA as such. You know, we're just sort of right. starting to get that technology. So you come in, shoot somebody, rob a liquor store, drive out of town immediately. How would they find you? You know, right. like, yeah. there is a And I got to imagine also that, like, before digitization, like, even just, like, one town to another being like, hey, have you seen this guy? Would be harder. Exactly. And I think that it's sort of like, uh, you know, um, the understanding of, like, what the news cycle is now is so different yeah. to, as well. So it's like, how, how would who would even know that this happened and at how, right. what, what speed? Um, but he's, you know, having having a time of his life. And we see him uh, get back to Chicago, where he's living at the time. And he parks and he watches as a woman makes her way to her car. And he's watching, like, he just sort of scans for women. So we see a mom with her kid getting in her car. Um, a black woman getting in her car, and then a uh, white woman right next to him puts on her sunglasses and pulls out. Henry pulls out after her and starts following her. Um, she lives in the suburbs. We see her pull in her driveway. He parks outside the car, but then when he sees her husband come out to help her with groceries, he drives away. Okay. Later, Allison, we see him pick up a hitchhiker. It is a solo woman traveling with a guitar. Oh, God. And this is why we can't hitchhike anymore. Yeah. And she says, are you headed into the city? And he says, sure thing, hop in. Meanwhile, at O'Hare Airport, a young woman named Becky waits for her brother, Otis, to pick her up. And Otis is busted as fuck. He's got horrific teeth. He is like, you know, he, he's got, he's the, he's not much for personality either, I'll be honest. Yep. Um, not, but he has a good time. And I guess that's the only thing you really say. He's a good time guy. All right. And poor Becky is escaping her abusive husband, Leroy. And he finds her, she's like chain smoking near the uh, luggage carousel. You could also smoke in the airport. Yeah, everywhere. And he tells her, you look terrible. And she nods and she just starts sobbing. And he says, okay, let's go. So in the car, he's he's sort of like, I told you Leroy was trash. And then he started to hit you, didn't he? And they turned out to be trash. How long was I? How right was I? And she's like, I don't want to talk about this. And he asks about her daughter. He says, how long can Lurleen stay with mama? So she has a daughter who's staying with their mother while she's coming to, to Chicago to look for work. Okay. And she's like, I don't want to talk about Leroy. And also the idea, like, she had to leave town to get away from this man. Like, things got heated. She's trying to let it cool off before she goes back. Because this guy's insane and abusive. Right. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think it works that way, but I understand her her, her thought process. Yeah. And she says, I'm thinking about getting a job in Chicago, and if I can, I'm going to bring Lurleen up here. And at back at his place, Otis is like, so what kind are you looking for? What skills do you guys have dancing naked? Because apparently she used to strip in their hometown. Okay. And she's like, shut up. Don't make me regret coming here. Just then, Henry stops by to give Otis a guitar. And it's a nice one. He's like, where did you get this? And Henry goes, oh, I uh, I picked it up somewhere. Otis tells Henry, this is Becky, my sister. She's going to be staying here for a while. And uh, it's like, she'll be fine. Henry's head actually out to California soon. So Henry's going to drive across America again, killing people, and he'll be back eventually. Yeah, yeah. Joyride. Yeah. And Otis tells Henry, Becky will sleep on the couch, but Henry, the gentleman, says, no, please take the spare room. I'll sleep on the couch. Like, And eventually she does, you know? And Otis says, that's totally fine. Okay. Immediately, Henry, there's something between Becky and Henry immediately. Okay. But Henry, not great, but- no, not at all good. And also, like, again, like, she's coming out of an abusive relationship. 
she's finds herself a attracted serial killer. to exactly maybe the most abusive person you kind of man you could be a serial killer. Um, and Henry has to rush off and head to work anyways. He does extermination work with their with their friend Andy. And afterwards, he's like, you know, I, I was hoping it was more work. And Andy says, I know, but you know what? Let me give you a little extra money as like a retainer, and I'll call you like next week. And when Henry goes to return the spray tank of pesticides, Andy says, no, no, you just hold on to it and you bring it to the next gig. Which now means Henry has a disguise of a normal person, Mm. which is an exterminator, which he's going to then use to get inside women's houses, right? Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was always, did you ever have to deal with that in New York? Like, I don't know what it's like in other towns and if it's like in LA, where where like your building would be like, there's an exterminator coming, let him in or don't, and... Yeah, in LA, like they're, I think like they're a lot better being like, we have to, because they're something like you have to get like at least 24 hours warning. So yeah. I've never had them send it up right then. But in New York, constantly, there'd just be someone knocking on the door, like, I have to fix just the toilet. And it's like, okay, well, please don't okay. serial killer. Well, come on in. I'm alone. Yeah, just really not great. Allison, he goes to the home of the woman he followed in the car, right? Only to leave when her husband got home. And she lets him in because he's the exterminator. Of course. Um, and we see them like sort of a, a silent chat from a distance and he enters later that night. We see her TV is on and she is dead on the couch, her dead body stripped down to a slip and she's strangled with the electrical cord. And we hear again over the scene sounds of her trying to fight Henry off. I mean, Allison, her chest and face are, are covered in cigarette burns. Ugh. Um, the next day we see Otis works at a mechanic shop and again, it's like, he, he's just doing like, they're both doing piecemeal work. Like they're taking work where they can get it. He works yeah. at a mechanic shop, like checking like tire pressure and stuff. And this teenager pulls up in a sporty little car and says, do you have more of what you had this week? And he's buying weed off of him. And Otis says, uh, yeah, but not here. Like I'll meet you at the fields. And the guy's like, I'm not meeting you somewhere else. He's like, then I'm not going to fucking sell you drugs right here. And he says, great, I'll meet you at 6.30 at your school, basically. And the guy in the car goes, what a fucking pervert. So, like, even he is like, I'm not getting in this car with this guy, but he no. will because he wants to buy drugs. So I mean, the things the things we've had to do to buy drugs before certain ones were legal. The things we've done for drugs. I know, it's just so funny watching him buy, because I was, like, always buying, you know, at least Coke. I mean, something. Right. And it's just, just a weed? big bag of weed. It's like, oh, my God. Thank God it was decriminalized, you know? Not that there aren't I know. other reverberating consequences, I'm yeah. sure, but, right. you but, know, just the excuse to throw people in jail for having weed is now is harder so to stupid. do. Yes. In certain states, at least. Because, uh, of course, it's still not federally legal. Um, yeah. Uh, so back at home, uh, Becky is making them all dinner as like a thank you for letting me stay here. And she's gutting a whole fish and it looks so good while Otis plays the guitar. And Becky, who's clearly interested in Henry, is starts asking Otis, how, like, well, how do you know him? And Otis says, well, we met in prison. You remember when I was in prison? Okay. And she says, well, what was Henry in? Like, did he rob a bank? And he says, Henry killed his mother and her boyfriend with a baseball bat. But do not tell him I told you that because he will kill me. I mean, literally, don't tell. Literally, him, you know. Yeah, that's a real like he will kill me. Like, but really, we yeah. mean it. Um, Becky doesn't want to believe it because obviously she's interested in Henry, and unfortunately, then it's like the fact she's like, "Well, I don't believe that." It's like, "Well, Becky, you're gonna die then, aren't you? Uh, if you don't yeah, believe, unfortunately." This. Um, and Henry arrives home and they have a delicious looking fish dinner. And Otis leaves to go run an errand. He's obviously gonna drop off drugs, leaving Henry and Becky alone. And he says, do you want to play cards? And so they start talking. And, like, everyone in this movie has a horrible life. So as soon as she has a moment with Henry, who she clearly start, already has a crush on, she yeah. starts talking about her life and sort of how she ended up in the situation she's in. And basically, uh, she says, like, oh, do you tell a relationship? Basically, like, do you have a relationship with your daddy? Like, do you know your daddy? And he says, well, he used to drive trucks before he got his legs cut off, which is uh, true to the Henry Lucas story. And uh, he's like, I was talking to like, oh, I remember my dad bought me a bike, but it was too big. And they ended up selling it anyways. And I had a brother, but he died of of bone disorder. And this is sort of an entree to Becky wanting to talk about her father. And she says, I can't remember ever liking my daddy. I wanted to when I was five, you know, like when you're younger. And I remember I dropped an ice cream cone he bought me and he just hauled off and he slapped me. Mm. And that's sad, but not as sad as what she says next, which is that. Yeah. Starting when she was 13, like, her father would come in the room and ask her to take her shirt off and just, quote, show him how she's developing. And she said no, and he slapped her in the face and then basically <sighs> would come to her room all the time and rape her. And when she would try to fight back or argue with him, he would just hit her. 
And she said, basically, she was afraid of getting pregnant. She's like, I was afraid of having a deformed baby or having a baby with something wrong with it, but I never got pregnant. And I told my mother and she pretended not to believe me. And it was the worst part was like, I could see in her face that she did believe me. She just didn't, wasn't going to do anything about it. And so she says to Henry, it's nice to talk to you I, since I know you're not judgmental. So for her perspective, it's like, oh, it's good that he's a maniac and he's been to prison because he's not going to judge me for being raped. And it's like, there is it's, that like- I mean, yeah. Where it's like, we like we have such a fucked up relationship between the victim of being a victim of crime and the perpetrator of a crime. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. And the way we talked about fict- victimhood and the way we rationalize and understand perpetrators- is so bizarre. So it's like, this woman's like, oh, you're fucked up. I'm fucked up. I could talk to you about it without being like, you're fucked up in the murder way and I was raped by my father, which are two different experiences. Yes. And thus, it's like, look at us bonding over that. Like, I feel safe because... Yeah, exactly. We are, quote unquote, in the same boat. And it's like, you're not though. Yeah, but it's also like, well, I mean, yeah, if you're raped by your father for years, I'm sure you would date a serial killer. It's like, you don't end up dating a serial killer because like, Everything is totally fine Everything at home, great. and you're yeah. able to like reckon with reality. You know, um, right. not that people don't accidentally date a serial killer. I, I know that some serial killers are better uh, yeah. at uh, hiding it. Uh, these these two aren't. But um, and so she tells the story. And Henry goes, "So you really didn't get along with your daddy?" It's like that's yeah, for a serial killer, man. I guess, pretty good. But for a normal human being, that's not the response. You know? No, no, it's the understatement of the millennium. <laughs> yeah. And finally, Becky says to him, "Is it true you killed your mama?" And he's like, oh, how do you know that? Because she said, oh, it just told me, but I promised him I wouldn't say anything. And here I am saying it. And she says, well, how did that happen? And because obviously you must have had a bad relationship with her. And Henry says, I stabbed her. And Becky says, oh, I just said you hit her with a baseball bat. Well, he's mistaken. She must have treated you real bad. And then he goes, my mother was a whore. And starts to go off about how she's a whore, which is, like, obviously a whole part of it. But he's like, it wasn't what she yeah. did that was a problem. It was how she did it. So, basically, unfortunately, Allison, how she did it is making Henry watch her have sex with these Johns that she brought back to the house. Aye. And then sometimes would dress him up as a dress and make him watch as a child. And then she and his date were la- would laugh at him. Now, that doesn't sound funny to me. It doesn't sound like a laugh no. riot. It must be one of those had-to-be-there-type of things, okay? Because he didn't laugh yeah. in that situation. No, I don't yeah, think so. I have a hard time imagining anyone yeah. laughing. Um, and unfortunately, in response to that, Becky says, Henry, I feel like I know you. I feel like I've known you forever. And then reaches over and grabs his hand. And you're like, oh, no. girl. Oh, no. But then now Henry feels free to tell his story about killing his mother, which is, he says, like, on the night of the 14th, they had an argument. She and Henry got into a fight, and he shot her. And Becky's like, wait, I thought you said you stabbed her. And he goes, oh, right, yeah, I stabbed her. So, again, I think we're supposed to establish, like, we cannot trust Henry. He's an yeah. unreliable narrator. And then also, again, went on to later make a ton of false confessions. Like, right. So even in these moments where he seems like he might be upstanding or, like, like do something honest. nice for Becky or, or is at least honest, yeah, in some way, he's not. You know, he is, he is a pathological liar, right. you know. Also, bro, you just said it. Like, keep your story straight. Yeah, he's not. I, I, I shouldn't talk. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's better that he didn't. Um, just then Otis comes home from selling drugs and Becky and um, Henry sort of jerk their hands apart. And he says, mm-hmm. is there anything good on TV? Then we see Becky exploring beautiful Chicago, looking in storefronts, getting a cup of coffee, walking around, thinking about that handsome serial killer slash drifter who lives with her brother. Mm-hmm. That night, she when she gets home, she tells Otis and, um, and Henry that she got a job washing her in a beauty salon. And Otis starts teasing her about stripping again. And unfortunately, Allison... Um, the incest uh, perpetrated on them in their childhood was is continuing into adulthood because he starts to get really worked up about it. He's like, when are you going to dance naked for us? Oh, no. He has, clearly has a hard on for his sister. And she's yeah. like, I was never— Oh, th- there's like a flash of that in the, in the yeah. trailer, like of, of what I believe is the scene. Yeah, and she's like, I'm never, I was never naked. I had a costume on. It wasn't very big, but like I was always dressed. So like a go-go bar. And, you know, she's like, oh, I did get something at, today when I was out. And she shakes out. She has an I Heart Chicago shirt. And Otis says, well, we'll put it on now. And she says, okay, but turn around. As she's trying to change, her brother, like, basically starts to, like, turn around and look at her in her no, bra. Oh, no. And then, like, turns back when she, like, puts a head, it over her head. And Henry says, well, what does it say? Henry can't read. And she says, I oh, Heart Chicago. Right. It's honestly impressive that he's been, like, on a road trip. Yeah. 
not being able to read. Well, just the signs, you're right. I feel like it would be hard. Like, I'm, yeah, the signs, the, I mean, the map. Um, Otis asks Becky to get him a beer, and when she does and walks back over to him, Allison, Otis grabs his sister's arm and pulls her in for a kiss. Mm. Allison, at this point in the movie, what would you do? What would you do? Well, I'm out of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got a job now. I'm if I'm her. Um, yeah. I've got the job. Yeah. If I need to get an advance or some cash to go find a place to live on my own, I will just find out how to do that and not be in this place anymore. I would like to leave town, yeah. but I don't know where to go. But I'm out of that home. That's not happening anymore. Yeah, and I think, um, unfortunately, the the truth of it is, like, she's just comes from such a fucked up family and background yeah. that, like, she doesn't have that ability to be, like— And it's, a, it's, her, it's her brother, you know? So it's, I feel like family abuse right. is, like— You know, I feel like that, that kind of abuse undermines your ability to, like, really move through the world in a lot of different yeah. ways. And it also would make you be, like, well, if my brother's like this, like, okay, well, then everywhere it's going to be like this. So I right. might as well just stay. Well, what could be better? Like, sort of it gives you, like, this, like, nihilism, you know? Yeah. And then, again, to set up the fact that, like, she has this crush on Henry, Henry grabs Otis by the back of the head and be like, don't do that. She's your sister. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, like, everyone has terrible sexual boundaries because of the incestuous rape going on um, in their (laughs) homes. Um, And Otis is like, I was just kidding. I was just joking around. I wasn't actually going to do it. I won't do it again. And he's, like, kind of put out and he's glowering at Henry. And Becky says, it serves you right. And she tells him, I'm going to clean up. Why don't you guys get out of the house and go get a beer? Which is, I think, smart. Like, just get out of here. Yeah, let's get some distance between her and them. Yeah, so it takes Otis a minute, but he says, let me go spruce up. Um, And so, of course, Becky thinks, like, Henry is her white knight. He stood up for her. He's literally a serial killer, but she doesn't know that. Allison, Henry, and Otis go out to the hot, happening Chicago night. They pick up two sex workers for the evening, and they park in an alley to fuck them in the car. Terrific. Um, I mean, they must have been at it for about 10 minutes before Henry strangles his date, killing her. And when the other sex worker sees and starts screaming for a friend. Understandably. Otis murders her in a panic. Jesus Christ. I know. Henry takes their bodies and basically like like mannequins and dumps them in the alley before driving off. And Otis in the car, he's freaking out. Because it's like, he's killed. That's why he was in prison. But he's never just killed like this. You know, like that was like a fight or like a. Yeah quote-unquote, random murder. And Otis like, what is going to happen when they find those bodies? And Henry tells him, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Nothing. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing ever happens. And I think it's like that, another thing in True Crime was like how disposable sex workers' lives are. Yes. And that has always been historically true and how that has to be a huge part of what we are working on. Yes. Both as yes. women and feminists and society in general. is like 100%. no one can be disposable anymore. But no. that is also part of this. Like all these, it, I mean, you know, and like the Dahmer, you know, that was like, oh, these young gay men meet at a gay bar. Men, yeah. We're not going to get involved with these queers, you know. And same with this, like, right. I, I want to say in LA, there's, I, I don't know what the acronym is, but like basically like if it was like a sex worker or a drug addict on yeah. – Police reports, essentially, like... Oh, yeah. Like, the the police would write, like, no person involved. Like... Oh, yeah. On succession, it was, like, no real person involved. Yeah. Was, the, was what they used when there were, like, incidents that involved either people of color or sex workers or just lower-level, lower economic status employees. Yeah, and I think it's, like... And that's the police doing it. You know what I mean? So it's, like, one of those things where... Like, that it's so entrenched in society. But Henry's like, that's what serial... And a lot of serial killers took advantage of that. Like, right. I, I can kill sex workers. Nobody gives a fuck. No one's ever going to look for them. And, like, who, who's going to do it? And so then he knows he can kill certain kinds of people with right. impunity. Um, And he is telling Otis this. So this is, like, their um teaching relationship, sort of. Like, he's telling yes. Otis, this is nothing's going to happen. And they go get fries. They eat him in the car. And Henry checks in. He's like, are you feeling better? And Otis says, Yeah. And back at home, Henry says, are you really telling me you've never killed before? And he's like, I'm not saying I haven't, but I really, that had, I had no choice. Like, that was like a survival, like, and he didn't explain what happened, but the idea is like, it was like an altercation or something. And he yeah. said, this is different. And he's like, it's always the same. And it's always different. What do you mean? It's either you or them, one way or the other. You know what I mean? And I was just like, yeah, I guess I do. 
So it's sort of like to see people so as as adversaries to like kill right. and conquer. And so it's like, yeah, I didn't we didn't have to, but in some ways, didn't we? And I guess if you're a serial killer, you have to rationalize it to yourself in that way. Cause it's like, well, right. not if you think about it for two seconds, but um, and then Henry goes, it's like, do you want a beer? And he brings uh Otis one and he takes one sip and he gives it to him and he's like, there's only one left. So we get like these small moments of friendship that like make yeah. you be like, Henry, if you were a serial killer. Yeah, you could just be like a regular guy, but instead I know. you're doing this. Um, and the salon, Becky's hearing a racist woman ranting about how things have changed in the city and, you know, all these like, yeah, great. Uh, you know, we all know what she's saying, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, sometime later, Otis is home watching TV. He starts to go on Fritz and he freaks out and he kicks in the TV screen. And, he, and Henry goes, why the fuck did you do that? Like, we could have fixed it. He says, I just get carried away. And I think that's the thing. like Henry's very, like, controlled for the most part and is killing out of pleasure and, like, you know, because that's his plan. And Otis is more volatile. So he could sort of be more activated, but then he also does dumb stuff like this, you know? Right. And Henry says, okay, let's go shopping. So we're going to go so, do some midnight shopping, by which I mean, um, I, I assume it meant killing a woman and taking her TV, but— <laughs> It's actually visiting a guy who just sits in a warehouse with a bunch of, like, what is clearly stolen goods. Stolen merch. Yeah. Yeah. And they go in there, and the guy's like, I'll sell you that TV for $50. And Otis has him turn it on. It works, but it's black and white. And he's like, no, no, we need a color TV, okay? And he's like, well, I got this bad boy for $150, or for $75 more, I will sell you this entire set. And it's a color TV and a video camera that they can record on, right? These on a two tape. don't need that. Exactly. It's like, oh, I guess I thought once we have two serial killers hanging out together, it couldn't get worse. But it would get worse if they start filming all of this, Allison. Yes. Absolutely. And Ugh. it was just like, I'm not paying that. What's way more than we planned? I'll take the $50. And the guy's like, don't come in here and fucking waste my time. And it's chewing them out. And so you know Henry snaps. And he takes up, like, you know the end of, like, an electrical, like, a mic wire that, like, plugs in, like, the big yes. kind of metal end? I feel bad I don't know the end of, like, what the name of this. Like, yeah. a, the big, thick metal end of, an uh, like, a microphone wire. Wire yeah. stabs it in the top of this guy's hand. And then he and Otis just absolutely <sighs> just start kicking the shit out of this guy. Otis starts strangling him. And finally, Henry smashes the $50 TV over the man's head while Otis laughs. And he tells Otis, turn it on. And when it does, it, like, electrocutes the guy and, like, sparks and explodes. Oh, my God. Cut to the guys and Becky enjoying, the like, the, the full TV with the camera. Like, they're at home, like, having a good time. Right. And so Otis films Becky and Otis dancing around, making a video to send her daughter Lurleen. And Otis is like so handsy and has like his hands all over his sister. And he's like, ha ha, you know, just like, it's awful. And then yeah. Becky sort of like pushes him away and starts dancing with Henry. And then like sort of playing the camera, she kisses him like, oh, could you believe I did that? And so, but then Otis starts to get really into it behind the camera. And he's like, yeah, more with the hands, Henry, like begging him to like touch his sister. Um, and like kind of egging them on until Henry sits down and is like, I'm not going to do this. No. And he has to be like, no, I'm not, I, I'm not more, not no more, you know? And I think what we're supposed to think is like, this is triggering all his fucked up psychosexual stuff. Like every time like sex and in the, like you see something like this happen, he like freaks out, you know? Yeah. Um, which is unfortunately, uh, going to be a problem later for Becky, as uh, you can imagine. Yeah, I guess. Um, next day, Otis meets with his pro officers who are like, okay, you still working at the mechanic shop? You still have, live at the same address? And he goes, yep, everything's fine. Of course, he's out here still serial killing people, and they don't know that. Um, over at the high school, we see the kid who bought drugs from previously, like, get into the passenger seat of Otis's car, and Otis hands him weed and then, like, pass him a joint, and he puts his hand on the kid's thigh. Aye. And the kid punches him in the face and runs out. And at home, Henry's like, you're being sloppy. Like, because Otis is like, I'm going to kill that kid. I'm going to kill that high school boy for hitting me. And he's like, if you do that, everyone will know it was you because you are the creepy guy who comes and sells everyone weed. So yeah. if a kid turns up dead, bitch, you're going to prison. You're suspect one. And Otis is like, fine, I won't kill him, but I wish I could kill somebody. And Henry says, yeah, let's you and me go for a ride, Otis. And so they drive into the night. And I think we're supposed to draw a parallel between, like, Becky's relief at being able to tell Henry about her like, father, uh -huh. Henry is having relief telling Otis all of this. Like, he's telling yes. him, here's how you become a serial killer, because he finally has someone to confide in. Like, oh, yeah. I could tell someone the worst, most terrible parts of myself, and yeah. the worst part for him is I'm capable of and enjoy murder, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, that being two peas in a pod means they could shore each other up, right? Yes. And so Henry drives them down under the highway and parks, and um, Henry gives Otis a gun. 
And Noah says, what do you have in mind here, Henry? And Harry says, well, what do you think? And Noah says, I, I genuinely don't know. And so he tells him, go around to the front and put up the hood. And so basically they're posing like they, their car broke down under the highway. So like it's kind of like a dangerous area. Mm-hmm. Somebody eventually stops to help, like a good Samaritan. And the guy walks over and says, you guys need help here? And Henry turns and says, Otis, do you need help? Or could you do it yourself? And Otis just hauls off and shoots this guy two or three times laughing. Later, we see that, like, they're filming, like, some guys kicking shit out of each other at the park. And Otis is, like, laughing. And Henry's explaining, basically, like, if you kill people, you have to switch up your modus operandi. So you cannot use a forty-five and shoot people in the head every time. The police will figure it out. Right. So you shot that guy, you know, left him there. So next time we kill, we're— Exactly. So now they're murder buddies. And Henry's, like, sharing his lessons. Like, you got to keep moving. That's why I'm always traveling. I like to leave town and kill and come back. To facilitate more murder, you know? And Otis is like, wow, like, this is like, I've never thought about this, you know? And he says, Otis, next time I'm going to go out of town for a month to kill, basically, and then come back. And Otis says, I'm not supposed to leave the state. And what if they check in? What if I lose my job? And then they check in. It's not worth it. And Harry goes, yeah, well, no plan is perfect. And it's just sort of like, okay, I guess so. That's something. Unfortunately, Allison, we then see them watching a tape of them assault, breaking into a a couple's house and assaulting them. The man is bound and like has a white hood with uh, blood-stained cloth on his face. And the woman, um, Otis gets the woman down the chair and is like pulling up her shirt, pulling off her bra, like pulling down her underwear. Just then, the couple's teen son walks in and Henry tackles him and wrestles him to the ground. And in front of his mother, or fa- female family member, but I'm assuming mother, breaks this kid's neck. Oh my God. And then Otis breaks the woman's neck. And they make it look really easy, like that, like, 90s action, like, where you just, like, snap someone's neck. I just yeah. think, God, I think it's a little more difficult than that, you know? Yeah. Allison, Otis breaks this woman's neck and then just starts making out and fondling her corpse. <sighs> and it's like, I guess I I guess I knew this movie could involve uh, corpse titty sucking, but I yeah. was dismayed nonetheless when it arrived. Yes, yes, yes. Henry stabs the husband to death, but then when he turns around to see Otis going to rape this woman's corpse, Henry says, don't do this. So again, yeah. like, that is the line that he will not cross. I'm glad there is one. I guess, but he still killed this whole family. No, like, no, no. I mean, awful, but... I guess better to... Or, I mean, let's... Look, I mean, six dozen of one, half dozen of the other, but I mean, I guess I'd rather be raped after I was murdered rather than before. Well, after, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, again, like, the lines in the sand that are arbitrary at a certain point. Yes. So back at home, Otis rewinds the tape, and Henry says, what are you doing? And Otis says, I want to see it again. And he plays it in slow motion of him ripping off this woman's top and her bra and her screaming. Which has me asking the question, Allison, at this point in the film, who will survive? Who will survive? I'm going to stick with my original one of them dies, but I'm going to guess instead that Henry kills Otis after Otis kills his sister. Okay, great. Um, I will say nothing. Okay. Um, but an excellent, an excellent guess. <clears throat> it's something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> At the salon, uh, Becky gets this call from home and talks to her daughter, Lurleen, and her mother. And you could tell she's sort of like, I don't, maybe I should go home. Like, things are weird here. And my daughter needs me. And my mother seems to be saying, like, come home, you know? And she's like, yeah, I. Go home. Because the initial pro- th- thing was, like, bring Lurleen up. And Becky's like, I don't think that that's. A right move, right? No, 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 no. Meanwhile, Henry's driving him and Otis around, and Otis is just filming women and leering as they drive around, and suddenly there's a crash, and the camera smashes into a parked car. And in a rage, Otis throws the entire camera out the window, and it shatters into a million pieces. And Henry's pissed. He's like, why did you throw it out the window? We could have replaced the lens or something. Like, we could have fixed it. Yeah. And Otis is like, oh, come on. And now Henry and Otis are in a genuine fight. And Otis is like, I want a beer. Do you want one? And Henry slams on the brakes. He's like, if you want a beer, then go have a beer. And they're like, How? he's like, you can't be a serial killer having a passive-aggressive fight with another serial killer. No, like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. He's you like, can't be I'm having, not in like, the mood for a beer with a you. Hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, that night, Becky plays cards with Henry at home. She says, I quit my job, and I think I'm going to move back home to be with Lily and my mother. I'll live with her. I won't be able to make as much money, but, like, my, it turns out her ex is now in jail for murder. So she's like, so if he's going to be in jail, it's actually a lot better for me to go home. And Becky asks Henry, do you want to come home with me? Like, do you want to just go? 
And Harry says, well, when are you leaving? And Becky says, tomorrow. This is this is something of the past. Yes. If someone said, do you want me to move somewhere with me? I understand they're sort of like, they don't have a ton of work, so it doesn't really right. matter as much. Or either, it feels like there's more movement. But I was like, I need like a week to think about this kind of thing. I think tomorrow. Yeah. You that's know. not a like, we're leaving tomorrow. Make a tr- like. Yeah, exactly. And Henry tells her, I'll think about it. And Becky says, better think fast. And I think Becky is sort of like the emblematic of like the normal life that Henry could have. Like she's the yeah. most normal person he's ever met. And so yeah, it's sort of like, like if he were to go, with- it would be an attempt at a normal life, you know? Right. He says, well, either way, before you go, let's get out for a steak dinner. I have a new credit card I want to try out. Obviously that he stole from I mean, like that couple he murdered, you know? Yeah. Also, that's like not how you describe a new credit card that you were no, issued. No, it is to not. To try out? Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to the TV room and Otis is just playing the murder film, the snuff film they made, and he shuts it off. And then Becky walks in behind Henry and um, he's like, oh, he's passed out. And- Becky takes Henry into the spare room where she's been sleeping and takes off her shirt, trying to get something going. But Henry is, like, clearly awkward and fucked up around sex in general. So he's not really, like, engaging. And then suddenly Otis is in the doorway. And he says, hope I'm not interrupting anything. Clearly hoping to see Henry have sex with his sister. Yes. And so Henry, uh, Becky puts her shirt back on. And Henry's like, I'm going to go out and get cigarettes. And but now Otis is all like turned on, and so he's like, "How about you get your poor old brother a beer?" So we know he's going to try to make a move on her. Yeah. But we follow Henry. He goes to buy two packs of cools, and the cashier goes, "How about the bears?" And Henry goes, "Fuck the bears," because of course he, <laughs> you know, failed or, or he has he, he, in this moment he wasn't able to uh, fuck Becky. Yes. Um, and he walks back and he starts talking to a woman with a dog. And the dog's name is Dolores, which I'm like, that's <laughs> the cutest. I love that. What kind of dog? Um, it's a half Shih Tzu, half something else, they said. And I can't remember, sure. but it's a little, it looks like a little dog boy. Like, yeah, like a yeah. little scruffy dog. Um, and so, of course, she heads back to her apartment. He starts following her. By the time Henry arrives home, he finds Otis <sighs> raping his sister. So Otis is full on <sighs> raping Becky in a living room. And by the time Henry gets to him, he has a shirt around her neck and he's strangling her. Uh, Otis and Henry brawl and Otis gets Henry down on the couch and is scrambling around for a weapon and grabs, uh, if you see like a ratting comb, like it's like a, a comb with like a, uh, almost like a pointed end. Yes. Like says, a very yes. narrow comb. Yeah. And he picks it up and he's about to stab the pointed shaft of the comb into Henry's chest. And so Becky steps up and stabs her brother in the eye to stop him. Whoa. And he starts screaming and he falls to the ground. He's writhing around and, Henry ends up stabbing him to death. And Becky's screaming and sobbing. And she's like, I didn't want you to kill him. Why did you call the cops? It's like, bitch, they weren't going to call. No one was going to call the cops. Like, also, you stab the guy in the eye. Like, this is going to happen. Yeah. And he's like, no. What am I going to do? Shut up. Let me think. Allison, he puts Otis's body into the tub and starts dismembering him. He decapitates him. And you literally see him pick up the head and put it into a garbage bag. I I don't think I ever need to see someone pick up a head. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but he starts breaking down the body. And the next thing we see, we see uh, him and Becky bringing their normal suitcases and then like a big suitcase. Like a large one. A large one with blood on it. Put it in the back of the trunk. And they drive it to um, a bridge and they dump the bags out into the river. So they still have the big suitcase, but the okay. contents are now in the river. Um, and then Allison, they're just they're just driving. And Henry's like, Do you want to listen to the radio? And Becky says, What do we do? What do we do now? We killed him. Yeah. Like we that was so scary. What it, what it, and he says, Well, my sister is raising horses at a farm in San Bernardino. We should go out there and we could stay as long as we want. And I was like, What is his sister's situation that she has a horse farm? And I'm like, Oh, he's lying. There's no uh-huh. horse farm. Right. We don't yeah. even know if he has a sister. He's he never mentioned the her. truth once. Exactly. Yeah. And Becky says, well, what about Lurleen? And Henry says, I promise you, we'll send for her as soon as we get, get there. And Becky says, I love you, Henry. <gasps> no, And he Becky. replies, I guess I love you too. Do you want to listen to the radio? And they've listened to a song that's called Loving You Was My Mistake. And they drive out of town, Allison. And they finally, they stop. It's like two in the morning. They stop at a motel and they get to room. And Henry washes up while Becky strums the guitar, which again, we know he got from a ser- uh, hitchhiker he killed. Um, and Henry says, oh, we better get to bed now. 
And it's like, oh no, his deep-seated sexual trauma is about to hit up against his serial killer urge because Becky is going to make a move on him. And yeah. that is going to activate him. And at yes, dawn, of course. we see Henry is shaving in the sink. Oh no. Before going out to the car and getting in and driving away alone. And later on a lone country road, he gets oh, he no. gets up and he opens the trunk and he takes out the suitcase they kept, which is smeared with blood, and is now very heavy. There's two people in it. I I wasn't sure. I'm assuming there are two people in it. I wasn't sure if they dumped out um, Otis's Otis's body in the river or or so if this is just Becky's. But either way, Becky's definitely in this. Becky's in it. And throws it into a field and drives away. The portrait of a serial killer. (sighs) I know. Wow. Um, Elsa, what are some fatal mistakes you think people may have made? In this film. Oh, sure. Fatal mistakes. Well, there's a, I mean, like, separate from, you know, cycles of sexual, violent family trauma, really, and abuse lead to this kind of behavior. But I think her going to Chicago and staying with them was a pretty big mistake. Yes, absolutely. Like, she should not have done that. And also, like, at the first brush of it getting rough, should be yeah out of there. Like, she should be out of there. And then every, it's, like, unfortunately, like, so many of the characters in this movie, like, just blinded by the horrific trauma that exactly. they've suffered through. Um, yeah. But it's kind of, you know, it's hard to, to be like, why didn't they do that? Um, but, yeah. Also, I wanted to say that, because I was looking, I'm like, oh, is there, um, like— was there a Becky? What did he have a sister? Yeah. Allison Tool had a eleven year old niece named oh, Frida no. Lorraine Becky Powell, who they believe was killed by um Henry Lee Lucas. Okay. She had a mild intellectual disability and escaped from a juvenile detention center. And oh. they think that maybe they they used her to lure people. Oh my God. Um to their Demise. Um, yeah, I would say, unfortunately, um, mistakes were made by all of society is sort of the larger yes. issue. Yes, yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, that is to say, um, I, I think that's like, it's like a serial killer because they're not operating um, using normal logic. It's like, we're trying to understand them, but it's like they understand how to operate within society because they are like they're the worst of us so they understand yes. us in a different way and that's that's not to give them like so much credit or they're so smart it's just sort of like most people yeah. have to go through the world assuming people are not going to serial kill them or be horrible yes. and then once you're in those situations where people are abusive or you're tangling with this kind of shit you are then in their world and i don't know yeah. it's just so scary there are different rules there's different yeah it's just yeah this is, this, like, even though this, like, play, like, this is a scary one. Yeah. And I think, like, the, like, the ending of, like, here's this one person that was probably an out for him. The, like, the one person who could have maybe he loved or could have loved. Um, right. And had a normal life with, like, it feels like that was, like, the last exit off this. Yes, as, exactly. I mean, not that he hasn't killed, like, tons of people, but it's like, oh, there is no yeah, like, ending this. And he doesn't want that. Like, he like right. to, to choose normalcy is beyond him, you know? Also, yeah, I, I, so I guess he killed Becky Powell when she was 15. And when he confessed to her murder, but again, he's a liar, so you can't believe any of this. Right. He, he said he lured her to a field in Denton, Texas, stabbed her, engaged in necrophilia with her corpse, Dismembered, decapitated her, and scattered her body parts. And again, it's like there is, the, you know, there is, they believe that he did kill them, but all the details of the murders, like you cannot trust him because he is not, he's just a liar. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, fatal mistake being friends with a serial killer. I, I mean, if you know someone's a serial killer, you got to do your best to break off that friendship. Yeah, put some distance there. If you can. Um and then finally, where would you put Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I feel like, yes, this did play out as a drama less than a horror movie somehow. Yeah. Um, but I do think it was very scary. And again, like the grounded realism of like 
both like what happens in the movie and like the way it's shot. I, I think like this is a a five mm-hmm. for me. You know, I'm gonna, what about you? You know, having revisited again reading this, I'm going to say a seven. Um, yeah, because there, yeah, there's not a lot of unrelenting fear, but the groundedness d- did fuck me up. And I think there's a lot of like really elegant choices that are scarier. For example, like mm. not seeing him kill Becky, you just see him get in the car and drive away without yeah. her. It's like you know. And I think allowing, yeah. you know, your mind to sort of uh, enter those realities are Holy much apps. scarier. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but a great a great film. Um, not Just yeah. not what I thought it was going to be when people talk about it. But it's an excellent mm-hmm. film, an extremely well-made mm-hmm. film. And, um, yeah, thank you, everyone. Um, Allison yes. survived, unfortunately, but— um, Yes, I continue to, to live another episode. Fighting for her life out here. Truly. You're, you're not making it easy to make it out of these. <laughs> I never, ever will. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate yes. it. And um, we will talk to you soon. And please, um, if you can, keep, keep it spooky. spooky. Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a radio point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Leiby. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Ewa Okalati. Mm-hmm.